name is Jeremiah. I'm Lauren. My name is Chris Davis. My name is Shannon Pickering. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. My name is Shannon Pickering, and I'm ready to testify. Hi, my name is Shannon Pickering, and I've been married to Jeremy Pickering for the past 18 years. Together, we have four growing hungry boys, but really, guys, you should see our grocery bill. Um, together as a family, we've attended Cowboy Junction Church for 13 years, and we're so grateful for our church family. So growing up, believe it or not, I was a very shy and timid little girl. Um, most people don't believe that about me because I'm pretty outgoing now. But um, I grew up in a single parent home with my mom. My dad suffered from mental illness. And so um, I wasn't able to have a relationship with him, unfortunately. And, and that was hard growing up because I always um, longed for that relationship with my dad. And so, um, you know, we, we were very active in church from an early age. I remember um, receiving Jesus into my heart on July 26, 1996. So I was very, very young. but. I remember the feeling of what it felt like. It was so powerful and so just like, I really felt like my insides were kind of on fire, but for Jesus. And so I craved going to church. I craved being at activities. Um, anytime we could go, I, I wanted to be there. And um, we did that for several years and then it quickly changed. We quit going. And I wasn't really sure why we quit going. Um, I knew there was some hurt in the church. And what I really learned, um, as I got older is that it wasn't the church that hurt us. It was, you know, the imperfect people within the church. And so, um, yeah, we, it, it just, my relationship changed with God. You know, it, it got to where I wasn't being as prayerful. I wasn't attending church. And so things, things changed. We, um, we stopped attending church. We stopped doing all those things. And I had some great friends um, and I started doing, attending youth and things like that. But um, I noticed that I started feeling unwanted, unloved, um, just not accepted. I was always trying to fit in in different aspects. Um, I just felt very unseen. Um, I could be in a room full of people and I'd feel like, you know, I wasn't there because I just didn't feel important enough. Um, and so I became a perfectionist and my grades and anything, any and everything that I could, I did the very best that I could because I thought if I do these things, People will like me, people will see me. Um, but what I didn't realize is that that relationship I had with God was slowly fading. So after that, um, we go into high school and again, I'm you know continuing with perfectionism, um, top 10% of my class, all AP classes, varsity sports. Um, and I loved all of those things, I really did, but I still was just not okay on the inside. And so I chased everything that I, I could, you know, whether it was boys or whatever it was. And um, I remember being about 16 years old and going to a party and I got drunk for the first time and I fell in love with it. I loved the way it made me feel. Like I was like, wow, I don't have to be awkward. I'm not weird, like I can just fit in. And, and so it started off pretty slow, to be honest. Um, I wasn't always doing it every day. I still was able to maintain my academics. I had a job at the time and it was pretty easy. Um, and then it wasn't easy. I started getting drunk before school. I started um, 
missing school and that was something very out of the norm for me because it was really important for me to be there and be involved. And so um, I continued to drink until my senior year in high school and um, we got busted my senior year and we actually all got MIPs and got kicked off of the volleyball team. And volleyball was like my life. And so I was pretty heartbroken when that happened and I would love to tell you that was a great turning point in my life, but it wasn't. I continued down that path, and that is actually when I tried cocaine for the first time. And that, that was a whole nother level from alcohol for me. I completely fell in love with that, and it replaced everything, every void in my life. It made me feel great. And um, so I continued to do that off and on. Um, I was able you know, to graduate and all of those things, and I'm grateful for that, but um, I wasn't making great choices at that time either. So shortly after high school, I got married. We got married June 11th, 2005. So I was really young, was 19 years old. Um, but I knew that I loved Jeremy so much and I wanted to be with him for the rest of my life. And so um, even though we two imperfect people, we were just trying to figure it out. <laughs> so we uh, got married and shortly after in 2007, we welcomed our first son, Kyler. And I loved being a mom and I loved being a wife and had a great job. and. We were doing everything and drinking was normal to me. Um, you know, I grew up in a home where it was normal to drink and so it wasn't a big deal for Jeremy and I to drink. And what I quickly learned though is that it wasn't the, the drinking I really wanted, it was the other stuff, the, the drugs. And so um, sometimes I would disappear, wouldn't come home. And um, then, then I'd go through periods where I'd be okay and we welcomed our second son in uh, Ryland in 2011 and life was really good. Again, you know, have a great husband that loves me, have these amazing kids that I've wanted so badly that God blessed me with. And then I, I start feeling that, that longing again, that wanting again. And, and it wasn't working, you know, and I turned back to the things that I knew of this world, you know. And then it went fast, it went fast. I went to a dark place really quick. There's a song um, that I love so much by Casting Crown, Slow Fade. And it talks where it's black and white and the black and white goes to gray. And my life went to gray really, really fast. Um, I ended up arrested in August of 2012 and for a DWI. And that was a huge, huge eye opener for me. Um, I wasn't used to being a disappointment to people. I wasn't used to letting people down. I wasn't being a mother to my kids. I wasn't being a wife to my husband. Um, but I quickly realized that something had to change. Um, and I would love to tell you <laughs> that was when I quit, but it wasn't. You know, I went and I continued to use for the next three months. I had a lot of people that loved me and that were willing to listen to me. Um, Pastor Heather Bean being one of them, she. We talked, we sat and talked and prayed several times. And even though she had no idea anything about, you know, about addiction and as far as, as a personal experience for herself, she was willing to be there for me. Um, my cousin Mandy is amazing and would show up and be there for, you know, my kids and my husband and be just an amazing cousin, you know, amazing fa family member and pray for us. Um, and so the reality is, I didn't, I didn't get sober, like I said, I didn't get sober in those first um, couple of months. It took three months after receiving that, that um, Jeremy was, he was tired and exhausted and overwhelmed and trying to take care of two kids. And he said, hey, like we can't, I can't do this anymore. We have to, you have to figure something out. And I'm not, I'm not willing 
to watch you kill yourself anymore, watch you die. And so he said, I want you to sit down and I want you to write a letter um, to our boys explaining why you're not gonna be here anymore. And, uh, and that, I wasn't willing to do that because God blessed me with two sweet boys and being a mom is my biggest calling in life. And I wanted those boys more than anything nothing in this world was more important to me than them and so i fought i went to battle you know i i uh started attending a program called padap um, a lot of people know about it, a lot of people don't but that program um has completely been one of the reasons that, that i'm here today people like stuart and sarah shrove have been a huge part of my life and my recovery and because jesus jesus uses people like all the people I've mentioned, he uses those people to pray and believe for us when we can't because I didn't believe any of that. I didn't think I was worthy. I didn't think Jesus loved me anymore. I didn't think he wanted me to come home. But you know, I have this amazing church family too that loved me no matter. They welcomed me back. They didn't judge me. They prayed me through. They were there for me. They continue to be there for me in the hard stuff and love me. Um, and those, those are the things, those are the hard things. You know, I've been clean and sober for over 10 years. And I am so grateful for that. But the really crazy thing is like, God, but God, it's not Shannon. It's not Shannon's strength. It's God, you know, God shows up for me and he keeps me clean and sober every day and he shows up no matter. And um, yeah, I'm, you know, so grateful and so blessed and in all of that too we've been blessed with two more kids <laughs> and the whole thing and uh and i get to give all that back today too i get to be that light um that people don't always see because sometimes we don't we forget you know we forget that we need to give back too and people will tell me a lot of times i see such a light in you and i'm like that's not me that's jesus shining through like he's doing what only he can do life today is amazing like it really is um I talked a little bit about it. I've been, my sobriety date is November 1st, 2012. So I've been clean and sober just a little over 10 years. And I just can't believe it because God is so good, you know? Um, we always tell people don't quit before the miracle. And uh, I love that saying because it's so, so true. And, um, you know, like I, I talked about also, we have four boys. And so we are super busy with them. And I get to chase them and all over the state and, um, my husband doesn't have to worry about me today. He gets to go on all these amazing hunting trips and, um, you know, can go to work and not worry if I'm going to come home today. And um, I'm reliable today. <laughs> I uh, I actually, the, the Padat place I talk about, I'm actually on staff there now. I've been on staff there for over four years. And so I'm getting to give back. And, you know, I tell people all the time, people always tell me, you're still doing those meetings or you're still doing the God thing. And I'm like, you bet. That's what's keeping me sober today. That's what's keeping me, you know, the center of everything. That's what keeps me knowing that I am worthy. I am enough and that um, God has me exactly where he's called me to be. And I 100% believe that's where I'm at today is that I'm able to give, um, give back to people that can't get it. You know, people that feel like they're at the bottom and can't get it. You know, the, the, it's kind of funny that people always tell me there's no way, no way that you've been through any of that. No have a seat. Let me tell you a little bit about me because believe it or not, I don't come from the way I look today. And that's the cool thing is that God cleans us up and polishes us and make us look real pretty. Um, if we're willing, you know, if we're willing to show up and if we're willing to do 
um, what is asked of us. And God does ask me to do hard things sometimes. And I'm sitting there going, I really don't want to do that, but I do it. You know, I do any and everything that, that I'm supposed to. But, you know, I tell people all the time, I don't have any desire to do any of the things I used to do today, but that's because I choose to live in the healing. I choose God every day and I choose to keep going. You know, the reality is, is I know people that have been sober for 20 years and have gone back out. And the thing is, is they quit doing what works. They quit showing up. They quit believing that they're enough. They quit, um, you know, they allow the enemy to get in their heads. And the thing is, is we tell people, you always emotionally relapse before you go back out. And that's just because they quit doing what works. Um, but the thing is, if we don't choose Jesus every day, if we don't um, choose to surrender every day, our lives can get messy really quick because life still happens. I've lost my dad in recovery, and that was one of the hardest things that's ever happened to me. But you know what? I chose to be prayerful. I chose to reach out to the, my circle that I know has my back. And because of that kind of stuff, I was able to work through that and continue to work through that because I don't want to go back because I know what life was like. And we always tell people too, there's a rear view mirror for a reason. It's our past is behind us, but we always need to be able to see it so we know where we've came from. To the person that's still in active addiction, you're not hopeless. All you have to do is come home, come home to the God that loves you. Um, like they talk about the prodigal son, you know, he didn't feel wanted and he left and, and all his dad wanted was him to come home. And um, when he did, you know, it was a big party and they rejoiced and, and that's what happens. That's what happens when you come home is that there's a big party, you know? And um, I know what it feels like to be there, um, to be at your very, bottom and to feel unwanted, unloved, not not any of the things that you thought that you were going to be maybe as a little girl or a little boy. But the reality is, um, is you can get all that back. You know, you can come back and you can come home and let people love you. Let people love you until you can love yourself. Let God love you until you can love yourself. And um, it's not going to be easy though. I'll be honest with you. It is hard. It's very hard. But if you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to show up, it's very doable and it's, it's an amazing journey. It's an amazing journey. To the person that has a family member or a loved one that's still in active addiction, don't give up hope on that person. Keep turning them over to God each and every day. Um, I know you wanna be the one to save them, but the reality is it's not probably gonna be you. So keep pointing them in the right direction. Um, maybe there's somebody in your life you know is facing the same battles or that can be um, that, that vessel for them or minister to them, um, but keep praying for them and believing for them because I didn't get it the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time. You know, I had so many people praying and believing for me and the people that really thought they were gonna be the ones I think to help me weren't the ones, you know, it was the other people that God just kinda put in there. And so just keep believing and know that um, God's for you. And being there for the person that's still in active addiction, you know, Continue to point them to other, maybe people that can be more of a resource than that's experienced some things. Sometimes we don't understand, you know, our families don't get it and we have to be able to um, be surrounded by people that do. That was a big factor for me is I had a lot of people that loved me, but they didn't get it. They weren't, they weren't addicts, they weren't alcoholics. And so I had um, my sweet cousin that, you know, took me to PADAT meetings and sat with me through PADAT meetings and checked on me. And I had tons of people that prayed for me. And, um, you know, I'd be in my head and, and I'd get a text, you know, from somebody, anybody. And so it's, you know, I think there's a fine line with boundaries, obviously, you know, 
because we have to protect ourselves too, but we also have to remember that um, God uses us. And if God is using you, show up for that person, whether it's, you know, a text message, a phone call, picking up their kids, getting them food, you know, um, taking them to a rehab. We, we don't know, you know, but God knows. And so just let God work in your heart. To the church family, I know sometimes we're not always sure what to do and how to work. Um, prayer is huge. Um, pointing them to somebody like me is great. Somebody that you know is in recovery and can be that light for them. Um, we have great resources in our community, FADAP being one of them. Um, sometimes we're not really sure what to do, and so getting them the counseling that they need is huge. Um, and I think sometimes just listening to them, sometimes people really just want to be heard and just um, know that you're not judging them and that you are genuinely there and genuinely invested in them and genuinely wanting to be the light. And so I think just being there and being that positive influence is really huge. Being a new creation in Christ Jesus and not being the old is <laughs> the only way that I can make that make sense. And, and I get like, I really get, it gets bright in my head when you when, when talk about that, right? Because so when you're in active addiction, right? It's everything's dark and there's no, it's like you don't even see the sun outside. You don't see the beautiful sunsets. You don't see any of that, right? And so when you become this new creation, you start seeing all the beautiful stuff outside. And so every day waking up to that and it just being bright all the time and you actually appreciate what you've been giving and all that, it's so good, so good. And so when you get to wake up every day to this new, boldness and this new beautifulness and this thing that God, only God can do, it's amazing, you know, because he does. He, he washes away all the old and he restores us to this new, this new person, this new being. And so you appreciate things so much more. Um, the birds chirping, the sunsets, the cold, the wind, the sun, all the things, you appreciate that so much more. In the lowest moment when Jeremy asked me to write the letter, I, I felt just shame. I felt just sad, couldn't believe that I had disappointed so many people. Um, I didn't think I could come up from that. I really firmly believed that I was just gonna be stuck in the dark webs. That's really what it feels like. It's like these webs that the enemy has on you and you can't get out of it. It's like you keep trying to fight through it and it just keeps pushing you back down. And, um, and coming back into church, you know, I felt the love, but it took me a minute. It took me a minute to embrace it, to understand that I was worthy and I was enough and I was important. And even though I had done all of these things, God didn't care and the people around me didn't care. They wanted to just um, help me through it and be there. And I firmly believe, I tell people this all the time, I was prayed into recovery. Like I had so many prayer warriors after me and helping and being there and being supportive. So. Yeah, the low moments are hard. It was really hard. Um, a lot of shame, a lot of remorse, a lot of guilt. Um, it, but the really cool thing is, is God is a God of miracles and He saves if we're willing to let Him in, invite Him in. Coming back to God was, again, hard. I, I know that He loves us and I know that He's there for us and He'd do anything for us and He forgives us. And but it was so hard because I felt like I had turned my back on him for so long. Somebody that I've known since I was a little girl and this fire that I craved so much as a little girl was back. And I knew that that was the, the missing portion was that fire again and that, that when that reignited, I went, I know, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, you know? And even though I did all these things, like he's the one that, he 
died for us. He did it all for us. And so um, it was hard at first. Um, again, I felt undeserving, but I also, I know showing up, I know listen, listening to Pastor Ty, you know, all the things he said, if it's not good, God's not done. So 